Every one of us has fears. It's normal. Every one of us who has gathered in this place today has at one time or another been afraid. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now where you're afraid and you're not sure what tomorrow brings. Uh, It might be something simple like getting on the roller coaster that makes you afraid. Or it may be something more involved like having surgery. A number of you have been in those kinds of situations. And we have to take those next steps trying to trust God through our fears. I'll never forget when my daughter Isabella was four. We got season passes to King's Dominion. And that year, we rode the kiddie rides because she wasn't tall enough yet to ride the larger ones, like the larger roller coaster. But the next year, she was just tall enough to ride the Scooby-Doo. Some of you have been up there. It's the, I don't know what they call it now, but it's the blue wooden roller coaster. And she was really afraid. And she clung to my side. And finally, she got the nerves up to walk through the entrance and down to wait on the car to come up. And I got in first. And then she squeezed in next to me. And the bar came down, stuffing me inside that little car. My knees pressed against the plywood of the front of it. And I wrapped my arm around her and I told her, I said, Daddy's going to hold you tight and everything is going to be just fine. I mean, her knuckles were white. You could just see the fear in her. And then we took off, went down that hill and up around. And then before you know it, she had her hands up and she was going, woo! And we finished up and she raced me to the entrance so that we could do it again and again and again and again. Every one of us gets afraid. Maybe it's something like that. Uh, Maybe fear is a good thing sometimes. I think it is. We want our little children to be afraid of a busy road so they don't step out in front of a car that's coming. We want our young people, our students, to be afraid of the harms of addictive substances so that they don't get caught up in some of that. We want marriages and couples to understand the, the fear of what happens when we may step outside of that, that covenant of marriage and the ramifications of that. We want people to be fearful of what happens with unbridled credit card spending and the things that can happen with that. So fear is not always a bad thing, but we don't want to live in fear. We don't want to constantly dwell in fear. We don't want to allow fear and anxiety to overwhelm us so much that it dominates our lives and keeps us from experiencing the joy of living. God doesn't want us to live in fear. In fact, the Scripture says, 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul writing, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And Max Licato, the author and pastor, has a great quote. Fear may fill our world, but it doesn't have to fear our, fill our hearts. Fear may knock at the door, but we don't have to let it in. We don't have to invite it for dinner. And for heaven's sake, Licato says, we don't have to give it a bed for the night. During this Lenten season that you heard Matthew pray about, the six weeks preceding Easter, we're going to look at five different fears that many of us face. And with God's help, our prayer is that we will be people who live by faith and not in fear. Today we're going to join the disciples on a scary boat ride. 
a storm had quickly come upon the placid Sea of Galilee where they were in the boat with Jesus. And what was a calm became a tempest of wind and waves. Because of the geographic location of the Sea of Galilee that was the Jordan Valley's below sea level, it was common that storms could come up suddenly and boats would be capsized or tossed about like toys. The disciples who were on the boat with Jesus feared for their lives and they cried out to Him. And in that response, Jesus asked a question and that question is something that we ask of ourselves today. And He said, Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And we're going to see that it's not what we do when we're afraid. It's the who, capital W, it's the who we discover in the storm that makes all the difference. And that who is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Matthew's Gospel chronicles for us some of the early narratives of the teaching and ministry of Jesus, including the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever. And after the Sermon on the Mount, crowds began to follow Jesus and they were able to bear witness to His healing and to many of His miracles. In fact, He healed numerous peoples. And we see this in Matthew, including a person with leprosy, the Roman centurion, Jesus, mother -in -law, Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus healed, and many others. And in verse 18 of Matthew 8, uh, Matthew writes that Jesus instructed His disciples to get into a fishing boat. He had planned to go from the west side of the Sea of Galilee to the east side. The east side was the Gentile side. And this is the call to discipleship. You remember He said, come follow Me. Well, here in this text, it says they followed Him into the boat. So part of discipleship is following Jesus into places that can sometimes get stormy. Some of the people who claimed to be disciples did not get on the boat. They did not follow Jesus. Maybe they were afraid of what was next and they let it get the best of them and they turned around and went the other way. I'm not sure of all that, that, uh, the reasons, but that may be one. So let's read what happens next after we had this set up for our Scripture in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Then He, Jesus, got into the boat and His disciples followed Him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke Him. Lord, save us! We're going to drown! He replied, You have little faith. Why are you afraid? Then Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of a man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey Him. Jesus got into the boat first. This was a normal, everyday fishing boat with a single mast and sail. Fishermen would cast their nets off to the side. And there was a compartment in the back, the stern of the boat, where they would keep some of their materials, their nets, and so forth. Matthew writes that the disciples followed Him into the boat. This is the same Greek word that we find in other places where Jesus says, come follow Me. It's that same root word. 
And then verse 24 tells us that without any warning, a furious storm came up. And the Greek language is, here is megas seismos. Megas seismos. You see the word and you automatically know that seismos is where we, we get the word seismograph and seismologists. Seismologist is one who studies earthquake and the seismograph measures earthquake. So Matthew uses this word to help us to feel the quake of the sea, that the sky and the sea are trembling in this storm. And we also find Matthew using this word seismos in two other places. One, when Calvary shook at Jesus' death and when the graveyard trembled at Jesus' resurrection. So this is a stormy sea. Megas seismos. And even seasoned fishermen like John and Peter were afraid for their lives. I can only imagine how Matthew must have felt. He was a tax collector. He's used to dealing with ledger sheets and money and balancing books. And he's out on the stormy sea. Rembrandt portrays this vividly in his painting, The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. It was a tempest indeed. Verse 24 continues that waves covered the boat. The Greek is calypto. It means to hide or to veil. So in the tossing of the waves, of the ship in the waves, it was hidden from view if you were trying to find it. And when we go to Mark's account of this story in Mark chapter 4, we see something that Matthew does not record specifically for us, and that is that Jesus was asleep on a pillow. Can, can you imagine? And all of this is happening and Jesus is still asleep on a pillow in the stern of the ship. We know that Jesus was physically exhausted at times from His ministry. And this was likely one of those times where He withdrew and said, guys, let's go to the other side. And while they were journeying, He would get some rest. Jesus knew that a storm would come. He knew this would happen. And Mark tells us that he was asleep on a pillow. But this was no normal pillow. This was a big sandbag that weighed likely 100 pounds that was often used and still used today on these small fishing boats to help stabilize it while it was out on the water. And there is Jesus curled up below this platform in the stern of the boat with His head resting on a hard sandbag, sound asleep, The storm comes up and the disciples fear for their lives and wake Him up. Lord, save us! We're dying! Something interesting here. They did not ask Him about His strength. Lord, You're strong enough to still this. We've seen You do miracles. You You can handle this one. They didn't ask Him of His knowledge of nature. They did not ask Him of His experience with storms in the past. Rather, they went right to his character. Mark verse 4, verse 48. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And for me, as I prepared for today, this really struck me. How often do we allow our circumstances or our fears and doubts to question the character and nature and love of God? How often do we go right to God, don't you care? I've done it. Maybe you have too. 
Fear can cause us to forget the power of God. The God who has always been present with us, as you heard Amanda share with the children earlier in her message. The God who always provides. Fear somehow creates within us spiritual amnesia. And in the moment, we forget the God who loves us and called us to follow Him and said, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we get spiritual amnesia and we forget just what God has done and just how good God really is is. Living in a state of fear can cause us to miss the blessings of our good God. The fear-filled will never truly be able to experience the fullness of a life with God. The risk-averse can never accomplish kingdom-sized goals. Can the fear-filled love deeply as we are called to love? Can the fear-filled dream God-sized dreams? This goes not only for people, but preachers and churches. If we live in a state of fear, we may never experience the true blessing that God has intended for us. I believe this is why Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? He wanted them to see that He was with them. And to get out of their spiritual amnesia and to remember some of the miracles that they themselves had witnessed and that same Jesus would be able to calm that storm. This, I believe, is why He reminds us in Scripture so often with commands, do not be afraid. He said, fear not or do not be afraid or some variation of that more times than He gave any other commandment. Listen to some of the commands of Jesus regarding our fears. So don't be afraid. You're worth much more than many sparrows. Matthew 10.31 Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9.2 I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough. Matthew 6.25 Take courage. I am here. Matthew 14.27 do not fear those who kill the body, but who cannot kill the soul. Matthew 10.28 Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me. I will come back and I will take you to be with Me that you may be where I am. John 14.1 and 3 And do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. John 14.27 Just some of the commands that Jesus gave His followers and gives us through Scripture of not being afraid. But there's one other component of His statement that really struck me. And, 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 and in Matthew, why are you afraid is prefaced with a statement, you of little faith. It reminds me of how often I doubt the bigness of God. How often I don't pray for some things because I don't think that I have the faith that's large enough to answer that prayer or that God may answer it in the way that I pray it. So often I'm afraid to go to step across that threshold and I, I stay back and I'm more comfortable and I don't ask bold prayers. I don't know if that happens to you, but I know it does me in my spiritual life. But something else that struck me in the text is that even though they had little faith, Jesus still answered their prayer. Lord, save us! And He calmed the sea. And it was completely peaceful. It reminds me that even though I am one of little faith, 
that God can still move mountains. Jesus also said in Matthew 17.20, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you. So I may say, yes, I'm a person of little faith, but I desire to have a little more faith tomorrow and a little more faith the next day and a little more faith the next day after that and that I can trust God to move those mountains because God answered the prayers of disciples who had little faith. A little faith can sure go a long, long way. Here are three realities from today's passage that I think will be meaningful for us. The first one is this, life is stormy, life is stormy. Some of you know exactly what that means. The second thing is unbridled fear can shake our confidence in God. Life is stormy, unbridled fear can shake our confidence in God. And the third reality is Christians are not exempt from life's storms. It's the who we discover in the boat that really matters. That's the first thing I want you to remember today. The difference is the who. The difference is the who. Who we discover in the storms that truly matters. The person of Jesus Christ who said, I am with you. He answered the plea of the disciples and the Scripture tells us that He calmed, He rebuked the winds and and the waves and that the water was completely calm. The Greek here is megas galene. Megas galene. It was a megas seismos. And Jesus transformed the sea into megas galene, a complete calm or a great calm. And my prayer is that whatever God, whatever you are bringing into God today, whatever's going on in your life, whatever the storm that you're facing, that God can transform that megas seismos into a megas galene. That He can transform that great seismic event, that great quaking stormy sea in your heart to a great peace. And that He would give you the peace that passes all understanding. And the second thing I want us to take home is that when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when we know God through His Son Jesus Christ, when we've received Him as personal Savior, we journey through storms out of that relationship with God with us, Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, and we can fear less today, we can feel less tomorrow than we do today. I can say, God, help me to have less fear tomorrow than I do today. Help me have a little more faith and less fear. A little more faith and less fear. Because I know that a little faith, faith as small as a mustard seed, can calm a stormy sea and it can sure move mountains. Oftentimes we face life's storms trying to figure out things ourselves. And we feel alone. We have spiritual amnesia. And often we forget the blessings that God has given us over the years and His promises and provision. Today, as we break bread,